0: So last time we recorded, you came prepared with like three different topics. I was so prepared. So this time I decided I would have today's topic and next week's topic. Topics that I have brought to you. I even gave you a half hour forewarning. Yes. About them. So you could actually prepare. We did homework for this episode. I've been thinking about this episode for a while, but I only warned you a half hour ahead of time. But food heist. (laughs) Food heist. 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 Okay. So this
1: food heist is wonderful. Okay. So it doesn't start. Very intriguing, but becomes intriguing very quickly. Mm. So let me set the scene for you. This is last year in August in Amarillo, Texas. Okay. Hot, dry, 4.45 a.m. When no one's around, three guys crashed a truck into a liquor store called the Party Stop. Mm. And then they went inside to start stealing as much as they could. and obviously they didn't wanna be recognized, right? So one of the guys stayed in the truck, one of the guys had a hoodie pulled low so you couldn't Mm -hmm. see his face, and one of the guys was in a full-blown dog costume. We we will uh, make sure that this image is given to uh, Adam so he can get it up online somewhere. But yeah, in fact, the police aren't even sure if it is a dog or a reindeer costume. They suspect it might be a reindeer costume wow. instead of a dog costume. But the image, there's actually several images from the security cameras, and it looks like a dog to me. Mm. Anyway. So is this in the whole snacking We think this might actually be a dog? <laughs> uh, like a living dog? mm like one of the characters from the Land of Imagination from Mister Rogers,
0: is grown up out. to a life of crime after this is a...
1: Daniel Tiger. <laughs> 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 the Land of Make Believe.
0: Yeah, I don't know. They were stealing snacks?
1: What they were stealing? Booze? Is
0: that? Oh, oh I thought it was. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a booze. Yeah, nah, it's a liquor mind. store, liquor not store. like a convenience store. Uh, okay. No, so they're not. I missed that part. Yeah. Mm. I just love
1: the level of planning. Like it fits so many of the criteria for a heist. Yeah. Because, you know, they planned it in advance. They did it carefully. They got a costume. And yeah, the guy's like, I don't want to be recognized. And I hope that that's what it is. But I also kind of hope that that's just how he dresses all the time. He's a furry. And they're like, do we have to bring Reggie? And they're like, yes, you never let Reggie come on the heists.
0: Let's, let's let him come on this one. And he brought his fursuit. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I doubt that would be a good way to not be recognized because the fursuit's a little little obvious. He's there so. in his full persona yeah. mm-hmm. as he is
1: known in the community. Yes. This is an episode of Law & Order I really want to see.
0: That would be great. The furry. thats not a costume. That's just, you know. That's just how he is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Whatever the one is that has like iced tea, who's always astonished at everything. (laughs) Him trying to get his head around furry culture. What
0: a furry is to him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. There's this fun level of incompetence and competence, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, they planned. But the best they could come up with was the reindeer costume that he got given by his grandma for Christmas four yeah. years ago she's mm-hmm. like well i guess i'll wear this they'll be too busy paying attention to the costume yeah. to, i don't know he's thinking i go in this store all the time but never in a dog costume it's too bad it wasn't an armadillo costume for amarillo for amarillo what do you want to bet the amarillo armadillo is like the most common high school mascot is nation there nationwide no, no no in amarillo in amarillo Octavia can answer that because she's from there. You're uh, from Octavia? Amarillo.
1: Are there Amarillo armadillos? Do you know Reggie the furry? <laughs> uh, Not personally. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's my brother. You 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 weren't
0: part of the furry community in Amarillo. Ah, Octavia's brother. Okay. Is our is our thief? We just outed him. Sorry. A sandstorm. A sandstorm. They missed the chance to be the Amadillos. Am- the Amarillo Amadillos.
1: Armadillos. Uh, a sandstorm is a pretty rad it is. thing, though. That's true. It's, I didn't it's know way you could better. have a sandstorm as a mascot.
0: I mean, you can have the concept the students of the music. Are cheering, we are a sandstorm. You can have the concept of jazz. <laughs> the concept of <laughs> jazz. Jazz music. As we concept. are
1: individual particles moving chaotically as a body.
0: The, uh, so, the local baseball
1: team is the armadillos. The armadillos. Oh, well, that's they okay. couldn't
0: do that because they, already they had that. Yeah. What if do. this
1: is a high school mascot? <laughs> Check and see if there's a high school in Amarillo that is like the dogs or the hounds or the something Maybe, like that. No, no. Or the reindeer because the cops re- think that.
0: He got replaced by the sandstorm. He's out of work.
1: And he's just, he's just so bummed. He's got to get booze, he's but he can't like, afford it. I used to be able to buy booze with my sweet gig <laughs> dancing at high school basketball games.
0: Now they got a sandstorm. They now just they, blow I, sand at the audience. It's way cheaper. It took my job. Yeah. Throw some sand in front do, of- Do them. they have a guy dress up as a sandstorm? I don't know. Or do they I'm, just turn on a
1: bunch of fans? Yeah. And blow sand into the audience? Preferably the, <laughs> the visiting team.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, man.
0: I love you, Amarillo, Texas. Mm. Thank you for being awesome. Thank you, random furry slash mascot. Yeah. Did you say they drove into it? They drove a truck. Into it, Right yeah. into it. Yeah. Smashed the windows. That's, that's how actually they, that's how they got the stuff. That's a terrible idea for a liquor store. You're going to break the liquor. I know. You do that for when you're like robbing, like, I don't know. A rubber ball factory? Oh. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Pillow factory? Yep. A crash test dummy depository? <laughs> exactly. You didn't even know which ones survived. They're the best yeah. crash test dummies. That's how you rob them. Not a food heist, though. So no, we can't really dwell on that. You put them on
1: the market as lightly used crash test dummy.
0: Crash test dummies? Available cheap. Vegetarian meals for cannibals? Oh, okay.
1: Right, crash test dummy. I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. I Think guess
1: could be food heist. I don't. I don't know what a crash test dummy is made of.
0: Uh, whatever I it, doubt is, it is, it is vegetable matter. Ah, I, oh, I bet <laughs> it counts as vegetarian. I bet it counts as vegan. Maybe not fully vegan crash test
1: dummies. Yep, available now from DragonSteel.com.
0: <laughs> You're a cannibal. You're trying to kick that habit. It's
1: uh, like a tofurky. Yep, it looks like a dude. <laughs> you. You can buy a full-size, two-scale Brandon replica <laughs> entirely made of tofu, <laughs> and then you can deep fry it for Thanksgiving. Do not say that. <laughs> That's not vegan. That's not vegan? Oh, because nope. we deep fried it in something. You deep
0: fried it. Well, I suppose you can deep you can fry it. You can deep fry yeah, All right, fine. You know, they didn't deep fry it in, like, butter. I mean, if it's an effigy of me, I require it to be butter. <laughs> All effigies of Brandon
1: must be bathed lovingly in butter. That's right. That's right. Uh, Hey, remember back when we had a topic for this episode? I have it right here.
0: (laughs) What is it? it Make it wiggle. I thought it'd be fun to talk about who we think the best living fantasy authors are. Yes. Partially because, you know, we're steeped in this genre. Partially because I'm very curious what names you come up with. So I pitched to Dan, top five living fantasy authors. Living fantasy authors. With whatever criteria that you want to use. Yeah. This was hard. And, you know, we stray away from, like, dunking on our colleagues. Yeah. We wouldn't want to do a top five worst. But talking about the best. (laughs) The bottom five fantasy authors in the world today. (laughs) Is
1: totally something that I think would be fun. I was trying to think of the best name I could shout out, but I... Couldn't think of anything quickly enough that would have been funny, and the person would have taken the joke well. Mm. Okay, so here's my thing. Okay. I came up with a list. I have a bunch of honorable mentions. Yeah, I have a runners ton as well.
0: up, mm-hmm. and, and I have some disqualifications. Okay, mm. I did, as
1: a rule, just exclude you out of the gate. Okay. Okay. Mm. That's a smart idea. Whether you're in yeah. the top five or not, I mm. decided to not even think about that.
0: I did not exclude me. I just don't think I'm in the top five. I think I would be in the conversation once you get below five. Yeah. I think I'm in the conversation in top 10. I'm definitely in the conversation in the top 20. I don't think I, I'm in the conversation yeah. the of thing top is because I looked up several mm-hmm. lists online. Yeah. And you're on all of them. Mm. And usually people are
1: doing like 15. Top 15 okay. fantasy authors you should be reading right now, and you're on all of them. So I'm sure you're there, but yeah. I didn't bother trying to place you anywhere. I came up with
0: four. Categories that I ranked my authors in. Oh, because you know I'm me, magic systems, rankings, things like that. So I ranked them by impact to the genre, Mm -hmm. not to the you know world, but impact to the genre, fame and impact to the general pop culture. Okay. Schema quality of their writing, obviously, which is going to be really high for all of these, but there Mm -hmm. might be ones that are slightly better, and then versatility. Was a big thing for me
1: as a being fourth, able to write more than one thing yes. or okay. different
0: genres, different styles, different mm-hmm. series, and things like that. And that helped me narrow down to my honorable mentions versus my top five quite a bit. Okay. Fame is definitely not something that I
1: considered. Okay. In fact, most of my list is I don't know. There's some on my list that are very weird. I was trying to find a nice balance between. You know, impact on the genre, who Mm -hmm. are the godfathers and godmothers who impacted everything versus who are the ones that are out right now that I think are the future godfathers and godmothers,
0: the ones who are changing the genre today. That's what you're going to get that my list isn't going to have a lot of. Okay. Let me mention my disqualifications. Okay. I decided I would only consider you if you were primarily known or at least majorly known for fantasy. And I define fantasy as kind of our traditional look at fantasy. So I excluded Stephen King, even though most of what he writes would count as fantastical. Mm -hmm. Not shelved in the fantasy. He's written a couple straight-up fantasies. A lot of the Dark Tower stuff is just straight fantasy. Eyes of the Dragon and Dark Tower, and I would argue most of his. Mm -hmm. But what he's writing about is not necessarily the fantasy, and he's not known for that. He would be number one if I didn't exclude him, Okay, in my opinion. For the same reason, I excluded Alan Moore. Okay. Because I'm like, being able to write comics will be a part of this, but if you're known Mm -hmm. primarily for comics, I don't think that's in the realm, like the superhero comics for this.
1: That's fair. One of mine is
0: dancing on the edge of that line, but we'll see. And then I excluded primarily science fiction writers. This is fantasy. So no no Ted Chang. Right. Yeah. Who would definitely make my list if yeah. we were talking science fiction writers writing today. Mm-hmm. So those are my disqualifications. All right. Mm. Do yeah. you want to do some honorable I, I, mentions? I didn't
1: really do any disqualifications other than what I already talked about. Yeah. Should yeah. we do some honorable mentions? Let's so let's talk some honorable mentions. There's some that I put on here because I believe that they are, you know, still living icons who are you know, incredibly respectable who absolutely influenced me and I assume yeah. everyone else writing mm-hmm. today. People like, I've got Guy Gavriel Kay, Kay. Philip Pullman, Terry mm-hmm. Brooks. Okay. Right? Three fantastic fantasy writers that have been around forever and still doing great stuff. Like Guy Gavriel Kay is still publishing. I don't
0: think Brooks is. I don't know about Pullman, but... Pullman and Brooks both have published, yeah. but they're both on my honorable mention list as well. Okay, With Terry, it was a just getting edged out in the kind of versatility realm. I know he's written some urban fantasy, and I know he's Mm -hmm. written, but he gets edged out a little bit there. And he's a wonderful guy, but I think he's definitely in the conversation in top 20. He didn't make my top five list. Yeah, He was one of the very close to my top five list, but did not make it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Some other big ones in the genre right now, two who are actually
0: really good friends of mine, Seanan McGuire, Victoria Schwab. They are both on my list as honorable mentions also. And the main reason they didn't make it is the same reason I don't think I make it. In fact, I'm going to read off other names. Lee Bardugo, Jim Butcher, Pat Rothfuss, and like this whole category, Brent Weeks. Those of us that I don't think have had long enough to have impact on the genre, fame, or to really prove versatility those I kind of all lumped together. So mine are going to skew older because of my categories, right? Your versatility, your fame, your impact, I think are some things. So all of those people, Seanan was on mine. She's like just very narrowly edged out. Yeah, Sean
1: and I actually put in my top five mm-hmm. and then
0: bumped her down. She would be one of the ones, but also Victoria, Lee Bardugo, these are all mm-hmm. like right here. I feel like we're all kind of in this same mold where none of us have really broken out from the rest of them,
1: Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. The last one on my honorable mentions list is Mm. probably, I don't know, this is is a weird inclusion. It's just Samantha Shannon, who Priory of the Orange Tree, which was a relatively big hit a couple years ago. I'm reading it right now, and I'm just loving every single word of it. I think she only has a couple of books out. No, she had a different series. She's, I don't know. She's pretty big. I've only read one book of hers. I can't put her in my top five or anything. I just want to mention
0: that her writing style is so beautiful and I love it. Okay. I've got a few other honorable mentions. Okay. One is Holly Black, who I haven't read enough to Mm -hmm. put on my list. I think she probably has the versatility... And everything else, I just haven't read enough Holly Black.
1: Yeah, Holly Black was one I considered strongly as well. Love Holly Black.
0: I've read a couple of her books and really thought they were good. Mm -hmm. So Sarah J. Mass is- I've only read one of hers. I read her very first one. Author I haven't read enough. Definitely, probably the most famous author who could make my list, who didn't. Yeah, massive
1: impact as a writer.
0: Of fame, J.K. Rowling didn't make my list. Same. I think J.K. Rowling is definitely the most famous- And probably had some of the most impact, but I don't think, particularly in versatility, I think she's actually proven she's not very versatile. I think some of her screenplays have been just really bad. And And the thriller stuff that she's written. I think she's kind of worked against her legacy in multiple ways, Across mm-hmm. the last ten years, yes, there might be a time where I would have put her on this list. She doesn't make my list. Sapkovsky doesn't make my list. I don't think the versatility is there for Sapkowski either. But mm-hmm. I think he is an excellent writer.
1: Cool. So, all right. So that's your whole. That's everything. my whole. And all right. Now we go into. Do, do you have a top five in order?
0: I do. Sweet. So let's start with number five. Okay. Do you want me to do mine first? Yeah. Let's hear okay. yours. Okay. You've already mentioned him. It's Guy Gabriel K. Okay. Guy Gabriel K. Okay. Guy Gabriel K. Okay. So I think Guy might be one... He's definitely one of my favorite writers Mm -hmm. of all time. Why does he make my list? Why does he not make it higher? I think that all comes down to fame. Okay. Like, I actually added these things all up, and he's the only one that just got almost a nil in fame. Nobody except fantasy... Mm -hmm. Hardcore fantasy nerds know who Guy Gavriel Kay is, despite him having, as I've mentioned many times before had something to do with the Silmarillion that we don't know quite how much he had to do. Mm -hmm. And And decades of incredible work. Decades of incredible work. I mean, Tigana, Lions of Al-Rasan, his newer stuff is all just... Beautiful. Talk about beautiful prose. Oh, yeah. He's enormously versatile for that reason. You've got like standalones, you've got series, you've got literary pieces, you've got more Mm market-friendly pieces. He can do it all. He wrote in Tolkien's World. He wrote an RPG, players get sucked into a fantasy world series Mm -hmm. back in the 80s when those were big. He did one of the big ones of that. So many different things. Super nice guy. I got to have dinner with him. At one point. And incredibly
1: friendly to aspiring writers as well. I know several friends who... I've actually never had the opportunity to meet him, Mm -hmm. but I know... I've talked to several other writers that said that he was one of their
0: good buddies that helped them out when they were just breaking in. I think he gets some serious points for impact on the genre, quietly, Mm -hmm. from behind the scenes, that I think a lot of us of our age read Guy Gavriel K and kind of had that moment where our minds were blown by what a fantasy novel could do. Yeah. Um, At least I know that happened to me.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things that I think he shows, if you haven't read Guy Gavriel Kay, Mm -hmm. he writes what feels like historical fiction set in a different world. Very low magic in most cases. Mm -hmm. And the world building is so much more about culture than about how many orcs live in the forest, which really changed the way that I look at fantasy that it could be so much more deep world building rather than wide world building, I think is the way to describe it.
0: Well, and when I first encountered him, I was very into the long epic fantasy series, which mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I love. Yeah. But then I read Tygana, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you can do this in one book? It reads like Dune, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like everything is in one novel. And I'm like, it broke my brain a little bit and taught me a, a lot about what... A fantasy novel can do. And even from the beginning, he's been a bit literary, but lately, like Under Heaven is just gorgeous. The prose and that, I've gushed about it before. So that's why he's on the list. Impact on the genre, his versatility, his quality, why he doesn't rank higher. I just don't think he's had much of an impact on pop culture other than some involvement in Silmarillion, which we don't know how much that was. Mm
1: -hmm. So. My favorite of his is Lines of al Rasan. Absolutely. fantastic. I recently read, uh, I think it's called Children of the Sun and Moon, Mm -hmm. which is kind of Croatia-ish area, Albania, kind of inspired by that. I love him. The reason that I've got him as a Mm -hmm. runner-up rather than a top five is because for me, I feel like he focuses so much on this kind of slice of life of these characters that there isn't as much plot. That's fair. That's kind of how Mm -hmm. I pitch Samantha Shannon to people is it's like Guy Gavriel Kay, but with dragons and a storyline.
0: Okay. Fair. fair. And the other criticism that people might want to know, he does write in this kind of older Tolkien-esque, slower paced, Mm -hmm. focus on the language style that was much more popular in the 80s. And his style has changed over the years, but it still is this slow meditative prose which might not be for everyone. Yeah. If you are willing to kind of sink into
1: the book and just kind of follow these interesting characters in a very rich world, Guy Gavriel Kay will just astound you. So highly recommended. I mean, yeah. if
0: you're in the running for top 10, I think that... Yeah. If this were a top 10 list, he'd yeah. absolutely be in my top I think most authors would take anywhere in the top 10 because we know once you get to that realm the dividing point between who is number nine and who is number seven is so fine. Yeah. Like most of mine, mm-hmm. I numbered these are one number off from each other. Yeah. So anyway. Okay.
1: All right, you ready for my number five? Yes. Neil Gaiman. Okay. I assume he's in your top five somewhere. He is my number four. So okay. we can just talk about him right talk now. talk about him. Yeah. Yeah, Neil Gaiman, American Gods, was one of his first big books. It's one of my favorite
0: books of all time he... Content warning. Content warning. <laughs> major content major, warning. Major. There's slight content on Guy Okay, on American Gods. You'll there, know... There's a lot. You'll know in the first couple chapters, yeah. I think. Yeah. But
1: he has this facility with kind of strange otherworldly earth. Yeah. And most of his books are set on earth. He's got a few like Stardust where you go into a fantasy world, but most mm-hmm. of them are just... On Earth, where you are seeing the weird, fantastical elements hiding on the fringes of society. Yeah. And like Neverwhere, uh, American Gods does this, um, so many of his books. And as much as I love American Gods, I almost want to say Nancy Boys is my favorite of his because Nancy Boys blows my mind right out of my head.
0: I mean, I really like Graveyard Book. I think it is a- Graveyard Book is incredible. Brilliant execution and a brilliant idea Mm -hmm. brought together. So that would be my favorite of his. Part of why he makes my list is he got a 10 out of 10 for versatility because I think he is the most versatile author on my list. Really? This is because I told you not mainly comic books, but- he does everything. He did do, like, a major fantasy comic book series that reads mm-hmm. much more fantasy than, yeah. like, Sandman is just... Sandman does not feel like a superhero comic, yeah. even though it
1: technically sort of is. Yeah,
0: but plus screenwriting, show running... Like, I think...
1: Novels, comics, yeah. short stories, TV,
0: movies. Mm-hmm. He does everything, and he does everything really well. Yeah. Like, this is, I think, his strongest suit that got him this high on my list is just being enormously versatile and doing it all super well. Children's books, right? Mm-hmm. Like Coraline and... Coraline and Graveyard Book. Graveyard Book. But they're both even different genres of children's book, right? Yeah. Like, everything that he does is something new. Norse gods... Completely different, right? I loved his Norse gods book. Mm-hmm. The reason
1: that I've got him as low as I do, yes, and five is not low by any stretch, mm-hmm. right, is I feel like, and it was Ocean at the End of the Lane that mm. really hammered this home for me, is in some ways I feel like he is writing the same thing over and over. Mm. Ocean at the End of the Lane is essentially the same plot as Graveyard Book to the point that it really bothered me. However, it evokes very different emotions. It does very different things. It speaks to a different audience. So it's still good, but there's this, in my head, I'm like, okay, come on, do something new. Do something new. Shock me again the way you've shocked me in the past, which is not a fair thing to ask of any author. Uh, And he's definitely one of my favorites, but yeah.
0: With me, he scored a 32 out of 40 possible points. The next one was 33, the next one was 34. Oh. So it's kind of okay. like it could go any mm-hmm. any direction. He just landed there because I'm like, all right, if I'm comparing these people and whatnot, yeah. So yeah.
1: One of his that we haven't talked about and we should
0: is Good Omens. Good
1: Omens. Which is getting a season two of its show mm-hmm. coming up pretty soon.
0: Which is pretty amazing considering the first season covered the whole book. Yeah. It covered the
1: entire book start to yeah. finish. Yeah. So Good Omens is a fun one to read because – For the most part, I think I know exactly which parts he wrote and which parts Terry Pratchett wrote, right? I'm sure I'm wrong about some of them. I
0: think that too, but it does feel like the perfect blending of their two interests Mm -hmm. and voices. Yeah. I love the book. The television show is better. It is Neil taking a chance to take and revise and tweak some things to make it have a slightly stronger ending. And things like this, you are missing some of the viewpoint perspective stuff and some of the humor from Pratchett of the book, but the show is fantastic. And Neil Show ran it.
1: I will disagree. Okay. Because I felt like in the TV show, Mm -hmm. the group of kids coming together as the Four Horsemen didn't land. Okay.
0: And in the book, it did. For me, in the book, it didn't. Really? And in the show, it was just slightly better. Okay. It still is not my favorite part of the story. In the book, that's the part that just doesn't land for me.
1: Okay. That's mm-hmm. totally fair. Yeah. In the TV series, it felt like an afterthought. Yeah. Like, oh, and by the way, haha, check out some symbolism. Yeah. Now let's get back to the story. Whereas in the book, it felt more meaningful. And I don't, I haven't read the book in like 20 years. So
0: my favorite parts of the books are Crawley and the angel. Just, mm-hmm. and the movie just leaned into yeah. that, or the television show leaned into that so much. That well, and the TV show did Mm -hmm. the witch, yes, so much better, I think, Mm -hmm. than the book did. So, yeah,
1: a lot of things worked really well. Anyway, he was the main writer
0: and showrunner on that. That's a part of like that 10 out of 10 for versatility. Me is like, I couldn't go do that. I'd like to be able to someday, but (laughs) he went and did it. He wrote like the adaptation for Mononoke into English, wasn't that Neil Gaiman? Yeah, yeah, so he
1: he wrote that uh, translated script. Right. You know, and prior to Good Omens, he had a lot of TV experience yeah. doing other things. There's mm-hmm. the American Gods show which didn't really work, mm-hmm. which is too bad. And also like Neverwhere was actually started as a radio play script that mm. he then adapted into a novel. So he's been around forever. He's written everything. Definitely one of the one of the giants. So
0: now I'm really curious to see where you go because you told me beforehand that there would only be one name that I would expect. On your list. Yeah, that was him. And, to, and now I know, oh, that's him. So I'm very curious what the rest of your list is and if I've all even right. heard
1: of them. Well, do you want to hear my number four? I do want to hear number so, four. So, as I typically do when I am forming mm-hmm. these kinds of lists, yep. I will focus, like I said, I didn't consider fame at all. I am looking instead at the people who have shown me something new and fascinating.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: People who I think have proven themselves to be incredible authors, even if they're not super famous. Mm-hmm. And so number four on my list is Matt Ruff. Kay. Matt Ruff wrote Lovecraft Country, which got a okay. big HBO yep. adaptation. Mm-hmm. He wrote one of my favorite books ever, which is called The Mirage, which is an alternate kind of dimension story. It is a... <laughs> If I can describe it very briefly, the first chapter is about a uh, cop in Baghdad, which is the center of world politics and commerce, watching as American Christian terrorists fly planes into the World Trade Center in Baghdad. Okay. And then in chapter two, while investigating to try to figure out who did this, he finds a headline describing 9-11 from our perspective in our world. And then you get this incredible back and forth between the two. It is one of the most audacious fantasy books I have ever read in the way that it uses real world characters and politics and religion and puts them on their head. Is that fantasy
0: Um, or science fiction?
1: I am calling it fantasy, Okay, but you're absolutely right. It could, like, what is alternate... Reality Mm -hmm. is—is that a fantasy or is that a science fiction? It gets a pretty fantastical explanation. Like there isn't a machine that helps them travel between worlds. You step
0: into the aurora, and it, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. okay.
1: So yeah, there's just the mirage that kind of veils the two worlds from each other, and someone figured out how to cross it. Okay, that's very fantasy. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. where and then you've got you know Lovecraft Country, which is Mm -hmm. a retelling of a lot of Lovecraft stories from the perspective of a black family in Chicago before the civil rights movement. And it is really cool. And it doesn't surprise me at all that it got picked up to be a show. And I wish the show was better than it was, but he is just a really good writer who does cool things that I've never seen anyone else do before. And I love that.
0: That's awesome. That's what I was hoping your list would be full of. (laughs) Because my list is going to be a little bit more uh, what people expect. There's one mm-hmm. more curveball in here. It won't be surprising to people to know what I like. Yeah. But, so, my number three Kay. is N.K. Jemison. Very good. Uh-huh. Yeah, I,
1: I really struggled with putting her on my list mm-hmm. because she is huge. She is absolutely one of the giants astride fantasy today. Mm-hmm. But I like her stuff without really loving her stuff. I love the Killing Moon series. Okay. Love it. Mm-hmm. But like 100,000 Kingdoms and Fifth Season and stuff
0: mm-hmm. didn't land as well for yeah. me. And they did land for me. So number one, there is that. They totally landed. Like 100,000 Kingdoms still one of my favorite fantasy novels of all time. Yeah. So her writing really, like I- I've talked about this line before. I feel like there's like this continuum between what we might call, how should I say, market friendly and literary, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't have to be a dichotomy. You can do both, right? But if you imagine a continuum, there's this like line in the middle where on this side, you're using generally the literary traditions. And on this side, you're generally using the kind of market fiction traditions. And it's like Pat Rothfuss, who is on my list as uh, honorable mention, I mentioned him, is like just over the line onto the side where the market-friendly, and she's like over the line mm-hmm. into the literary, using some of this, but mostly basing hers in the literary tradition, and that just really lands for me. Yeah.
1: I mean, she's a fantastic writer. She's won mm-hmm. a zillion Hugos, Yep, and I think very deservingly. Like I said, the Killing Moon series is mm-hmm. one of my favorites.
0: And I mentioned that there's this whole category of authors like myself that I don't think have quite broken out, mm-hmm. right? Like we're dominating the genre, but there's not that thing that really makes us stand out, nor is the exception of that. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's the one that just kind of smashed through that. Yeah, You know, her impact on the genre is enormous. Her fame is probably what's holding her back on my list mm-hmm. is that I, I think while in the genre, she's really well known, her fame, like nationwide Is not that of, like, Neil, for instance. Yeah, and really what that comes
1: down to is that Mm -hmm. she hasn't had a TV show, right? All Mm -hmm. of the ones that are household names like George Martin and Neil Gaiman, it's because they've had multiple TV shows and everyone knows who they are.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely what it is, right? Mm -hmm. So, you're right. Though Lee didn't, you know, she was one of my honorable mentions. She has a fantastic TV show, so. yeah. Well, and
1: speaking of TV, and and Mm -hmm. even though I said I liked the fifth season without loving Mm -hmm. fifth season,
0: I think it would make a great TV show.
1: That's the most adaptable of hers, I suspect.
0: Yeah, the main gimmick will play in television very differently than literary, but I think it'll Mm -hmm. play really well.
1: Yeah. All right, what's your number three? Okay, my number three is G. Willow Wilson. This is the one that dances on the edge of that comic book creator line, I have no idea who this is. Okay, so she is a writer who... Kind of the main thing she is known for is she writes Miss Marvel. She, as okay. far as I am aware, actually created the character of Kamala Khan, okay. who's the the teenage yeah. Muslim girl who mm-hmm. becomes Miss Marvel, and that's what she's known for. But mm-hmm. also, she is a Hugo winning novelist, and her novel *A Leaf the Unseen* is top five fantasy novel for me. Okay. It's one of the greatest things I've ever read, and it is. A borderline book. It's not quite cyberpunk, but it is about a hacker. It's all very real-world computer hacker stuff. In, you and
0: your science fiction In the Middle East, but here's the
1: thing. Sneaking he, into our fantasy list. It's also an urban fantasy. And he is able, through his coding, to summon Jin and okay. to cross over into other worlds. There's a sequence where he is able to write a program that is so perfectly worded and flawless mm-hmm. that it alters reality itself. All right. It is it's... absolutely a fantasy book, unquestionably, and one of the best fantasy books of the last 10
0: years, no question. I want to see if an epic fantasy or secondary world fantasy author makes your list at all. Because <laughs> so far I have two of those out of my three, mm-hmm. and you have zero. I know. I know.
1: They've all been very urban fantasy. Don't yep. worry. The last two are secondary world.
0: Okay. Okay. Shall we go to my number two? Yeah, let's hear your number two. All right. My number two is one that I don't think might not make a lot of people's lists just because various reasons to talk about. It's uh, Jane Yolen. Oh. I don't think... She's a good one to include. I hadn't even thought about her. So... Why I don't think people might not put her as the number two, which I do, is because they will probably look down at her children's books and things Mm -hmm. like that, which were where a lot of her fame is coming from. Yeah. How did Dinosaur say goodnight and things like that? Like she's getting points on my list because my children know who she is Mm -hmm. that, you know, other people might not make. But, you know, her lowest is probably still kind of this impact on the genre sort of thing like I don't know if a lot of writers I talk to writers and not a lot of them will come up with Jane Yolen even though they've read her as a a figure that Mm -hmm. had a big effect on them but yeah she definitely did on me she's she's Mm -hmm. a
1: really good one to include
0: she and my number one both got a 10 out of 10 on quality and versatility Yeah. Which they're the only two that got tens in both of those.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure at this point that I know who your number one is. Yes. It's Um, very, very obvious. It should be very obvious. Yes. And yeah, she is one that I was going to put on my-
0: Honorable mentions. Honorable mentions and forgot. And- if people don't know, Jane can write everything. Mm-hmm. Like her short story collections that she's been kind of putting out lately, kind of Jane Yolen's collected short story works in a new set of things mm-hmm. with with Tachyon. will just show you the breadth of her, her skill.
1: Yeah, she's always been excellent and she's always been kind of under the radar. Yep, I think of her as very mid-list. I would love to see a... Jane Yolen Renaissance when a new generation discovers her
0: yeah. and turns her into a giant instead of a And I legit think she is just craftsmanship wise the number 2 fantasy writer or you know equal to the number 1 just not mm-hmm. as famous yeah. writing today. Okay. Jane's amazing and everybody should read read Everyone Jane's read work. Jane Yolen. Yeah. Go go All get right. the Emerald Circus short story collection or the Scarlet One that I rode forward to I believe. But <laughs> she's just, just really good. So, yeah. what can I say other than you're not reading Jane Yolen and you probably should be. So, okay. My number 2 is actually very similar. Okay. I asked you
1: when you proposed this idea, I said, "Do you yeah. mean writers who are alive today or who are actively working today?" Mm-hmm. And you said, "They just have to be alive." Yep. Robin McKinley. Robin McKinley is alive. Is amazing. She's 70 so, years yeah. old. I don't believe that she is actively publishing. She is one of the Four authors that turned me into a fantasy fan. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, it was Tolkien, Fred Saberhagen, Anne McCaffrey, and Robin McKinley. I've read Mm -hmm. probably everything she's ever written. Yeah. And she's incredible. I feel bad because her writing style is a little old-fashioned. It is. And so, like, when my daughter finished all the Harry Potter books and loved them, and she Mm -hmm. was like, please give me something else to read, and I gave her The Hero and the Crown, and she bounced off of it like a wall. Yeah. Because it isn't as readable for a modern audience. Mm -hmm. There's just a
0: different style to it. Blue Sword. she's so good. Is Emily's favorite book of all time. My wife, Emily. In fact, we have... Sometimes people will be able to see all of them once Adam does his final reveal. But in my lair, we have Mm -hmm. 10 stained glass windows based on fantasy books. And one of them is the Blue Sword. And it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Boy, her secondary world stuff like Blue Mm -hmm. Sword and Hero of the Crown, her fairy tale retellings. Yeah. Yeah. Outlaws of Sherwood, just yeah. really good book. I read like, that one in sixth
0: grade yeah. when it came out and was like, okay, okay this is incredible. I read that incredible. much later. I was in my 20s when I read it, and it still was great. Yeah. So Emily Loves, I think Beauty is her second favorite. Beauty is really good. Mm-hmm. There's a, a little free public library in my neighborhood
1: mm-hmm. that my seven-year-old and I will walk there and back every now and then. And I went there last week, and they had Robin McKinley's Sleeping Beauty mm-hmm. retelling which is actually the one of hers that I don't think I've ever read. Okay. And I immediately
0: grabbed it and took it home. So mm-hmm. that's
1: on the that's on the pile on the nightstand now.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's a good choice. I'm glad we got to bring her up. She's not on my list because, I don't know, she's a fantastic writer, and it just didn't quite hit the radar. Mm-hmm. Should have because it's Emily's favorite. Didn't have as big an impact on me as some of the others, but definitely yeah. deserves to be in the conversation. Mm-hmm. She was writing YA before... That was really
1: codified as a category, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so if you read her in your twenties rather than in your, you know, yeah. eleven and twelve, it does. It's it gonna YA. land a little differently. Yeah.
0: All right. My number one. Your number one. Not not is this very who surprising. I think it is. Well, I had a possible forty points and they got thirty nine. Nice. Thirty nine points out of the, the forty points. Okay. And yeah, it's George. George. Okay. Yeah, it's George. okay.
1: So I actually thought you were
0: gonna pick Robin Hobb.
1: Where yeah, yeah. Uh, Robin Hobbs. She yeah. should.
0: She should definitely be. She's, I should have. She's very honorable mention there. We should have brought her up. I wonder. Yeah. I should have run the numbers on her. Here's the thing: when you've got Neil and George on the list with the fame mm-hmm. and the impact, it's harder to. On my list, it's going to be harder to place high. When I run the numbers, like I ran the numbers, I'm like, where would I put rolling on any of this? And she just couldn't compete because, yeah, she's got this side, but she doesn't have this side. People who have both sides are hard to come by, I think. Both the quality versatility and the impact thing. Robin Hobb probably would, if I had even thought to run the numbers on her, she might have, she might have beat Guy. She might have beaten Guy. yeah. I'm not sure. It's hard. It's hard. When you get into these quality considerations, on my quality list, they all have a 9 or a 10. hmm Right? Yeah.
1: Because so, they all do. They're, they they're all the do top.
0: So it comes down to versatility, fame, and impact, which is determining who's making it where on my list. Mm-hmm. So, I bet more people have read Robin than have read Guy. Yes. I would agree with that, but is Robin as versatile? I don't know. Is Robin as versatile? Yeah. I don't know. It's a tough call. It anyway. is a tough call. Yeah. Didn't even occur to me to run the numbers on Robin Hobb. I bet she would take number five Mm -hmm. if I actually sat down because she's had a huge impact on our generation of writer and she's still writing great stuff. Is she on your list? Just as honorable Honorable mention. mention, yeah. 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 So, all right. Mine is George. My number one is George. So why is George number one? Well, who's the most famous fantasy author alive right now? George Martin. J.K. Rowling, but who's number two? <laughs> George Martin. <laughs> That's why George is a nine. Yeah, is because okay. I'm like, all right, there is somebody more famous than him. Stephen King, J.K. Rowling, like he is I, like. I'd, I'd put them. I'd
1: put him on the same tier. Would, would you as give him Rowling a Rowling and King? So okay. everyone we'll, knows who Martin is. We'll, we'll
0: give him a ten. He's a ten out of. 10 That for gives fame. him forty. Then he gives out him 40. Of forty. Impact. George Martin changed this genre dramatically. From the launch Ooh. of the first book, oh yeah, I cannot think of someone, even including Nora, who had a huge impact bringing kind of literary fiction and stuff in. I cannot think of a single person who's had a bigger impact on the epic fantasy genre than George yeah. Barton has since Tolkien. It
1: is so hard to point to any single author and say mm-hmm. they created a subgenre. Yep, all of their own, and he did from the instant Game of Thrones came out, and everyone was like, "Oh, wait." Mm-hmm. This is the most adult fantasy I've ever seen and then everyone in the whole world copied him. And you even started writing grim I dark did.
0: stuff. Before I broke in, everyone told me this is what we want, so I tried writing it. I was terrible at it. Yeah. But unfortunately, those books never got published. But <laughs> this is what everyone was writing. Mm-hmm. Um and so 10 out of 10 for impact on the genre. Yeah. I have trouble imagining someone other than Tolkien who's had a bigger impact on epic fantasy. Than George has epic fantasy. You're mm-hmm. probably right. I mean, Anne McCaffrey, maybe during those early days of cross. I was so sad that I couldn't put Anne McCaffrey on yeah. that list. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll have to do a uh, greatest dead authors. Greatest so. dead maybe authors. Maybe we won't rank them. Maybe we'll just talk about. <laughs> but we go to quality. George is a ten out of ten. Like everybody that's making this list, George mm-hmm. has this amazing ability to characterize characters in a short amount of time. And keep them all magnificently distinct in your mind. Yeah. So, and then versatility. I also gave him a 10 in versatility because I have read George's short fiction and his epic fantasy and his novels. And mm-hmm. I have said before, I'm not a Game of Thrones fan. Yeah. Too dark for me. Mm-hmm. Daenerys was too much, but I can appreciate the skill that went into writing them. And I've read a lot of other George stuff that I really, really like. Yeah. And so he can write that. He can write screenplays. In fact, some of the episodes of the television show that were best received, he wrote. Mm-hmm. He's written children's books. Hugely versatile writer who is doing a lot of different things. Yeah, He's slow at all of it, but he's a great editor. I've had the privilege of being edited by George, and he's a really good editor. He's everything. And so I couldn't not put George at number one for all of yeah. those reasons.
1: And not just fantasy. Yeah. He was known primarily as a science fiction writer for yes. decades before yep. Game of Thrones came out. Plague Star. Out. It's one of my favorite uh, stories. And, go read yeah. The Sand Kings, which is a kind of novelette length science fiction story. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Sand Kings is one of the only things I've ever read that made me shout out loud mm. in fright.
0: So, So, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Good one to include. When I came up with the numbering system and I started numbering them, I'm like, all right, this is going to put George at the top. Um, But Mm -hmm. I mean, that's probably where he deserves to be. I'm curious who your number one is. Okay. So when you proposed this
1: list, I knew my number one immediately. And then I had to build the rest of the list. And I don't think you've even read her. Who wrote Ratatouille? It's got to be that. Is it Brad Bird who wrote (laughs) Ratatouille? Yeah. Ratatouille. I will just include it on every list regardless. Mm. No, Fonda Lee. Okay, I have not read fondly. Yeah, we you haven't read. Mm-hmm. So, the Greenbone Saga, Jade yep. City, Jade War, Jade Legacy.
0: pitched those a number of times. I know. And I've always, I've actually several times been like, oh, what's that author Dan keeps telling me to read? And I <laughs> had forgotten. And so I yeah. read something else instead. If someone were to ask me,
1: who writing fantasy today is going to be the next change, the next George Martin who right. changed the way that everyone writes fondly? Okay. I would put money on it. She was nominated for the series Hugo this last year and she didn't win. Shannon won. And Shannon, again, like we said, is awesome. Yeah. The Wayward Children series won the, the series Hugo. And how many it of is, those does Shannon have now? there's like nine. And they're excellent. Mm-hmm. But the greenbone saga people will still be talking about and emulating for years to come. She is going to have such a huge impact on the genre. Jade War, the second of her series, probably my very favorite fantasy book of all time. Definitely top five, but I think it's the very top place. And she did some like science fiction, YA stuff before that. For people who don't know, and I've talked about her before, so you probably do know, but just in case, Greenbone Saga by Fonda Lee is epic fantasy about factions, scheming, and family drama but instead of being set in like a medieval era, it's a world that is kind of analogous to a 1970s Hong Kong gangster movie. And it is so richly done, the, the kind of main character of that series, Hilo, one of the most complex, interesting, and well-drawn characters I've ever read. Fonda is, for me, the obvious choice for number one.
0: And there's going to be all sorts of people in the comments saying, "What about this? What about this?" Mm-hmm. Of authors that probably would have made our honorable mentions. Like I forgot to mention Lois, and she's yeah. mostly known as science Lois fiction, McMaster but Boudreaux. she won a Hugo for a fantasy novel. It's really good, mm-hmm. and she definitely deserves to be in the honorable mention. Robin Hobb, I, I think yeah. she's probably gonna would make my list if I. There's so many people, yeah. and a lot of this is hard because we know so many of these people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I've done booths with Robin. Yes, so many times. Oh, uh, she's the first person who told me when I was on tour, she's like, you're working yourself too hard. This is bad for you. Step back. Mm-hmm. And that was the tour that I collapsed on the floor when yeah. I got back to my room. She's the one who noticed. She's very motherly to all of us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she cover quoted Mistborn. My first like cover quote from someone I didn't know was from her that you know, I would met her. I asked if she would read it. I sent it to her. Her daughter read it. Said, "No, mom, I actually read this." And she didn't. She gave me the yeah. nice cover blur. Her blurb. daughter's really cool too. Yeah. So yeah. So. Mm-hmm. bunch of great people on this list so there's gonna be people that you're gonna be in the comments and be like what about this person yeah I gave Dan a half hour and then I sat for five minutes when he arrived <laughs> here and this is how we came up this with our list this is what we did so, so like Kevin J.
1: Anderson is gonna text me later and say why did you not put me on your Kevin list Kevin J. Anderson's best stuff is science fiction I know he's primarily yes. a science fiction he guy he does fantasy he but Saga of the does, Southern Suns is does his, his, it best, good. his best but, work but yeah so he mm-hmm. I excluded because he's primarily a, a science fiction mm-hmm. guy
0: Does he watch our podcast?
1: He doesn't watch our podcast. There's no way he watches our podcast. He doesn't have time to watch our
0: podcast. Dog and pony show that we do here. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, there you go. There we are. All of our friends that we forgot to mention. Um, (laughs) We're sorry. You were totally, you would have made our list. I do need to
1: specifically say Brent Weeks and Brian McClellan. I love
0: you. I did mention Brent. I forgot Brian. You did mention Brent. I forgot Brian. We forgot Brian. I'm also
1: going to mention Charlie Holmberg because she does watch our show religiously. And. I've got to say, she's my real favorite. I just put these other people for yeah, political we, reasons.
0: We, we can't say Charlie. I mean, you know, she, <laughs> we know her too well, and therefore we're biased. Yeah. And there you go. I had
1: to exclude her for the same
0: reason I excluded you. She writes good stuff. Charlie does, so. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's ever been on my channel, has she? No, we should have Charlie should on. should bring her in. She'll make fun of me. But mm-hmm. people like that. Mm-hmm. Ben likes that. How's that been?